Welcome into 241 Drafts. Austin Gale here, the host of 241 Drafts, a rookies and draft prospects podcast. Today, we're going to be predicting second year breakouts for all 32 NFL teams. That's right, 2020 draft class members. We're going to be predicting second year breakouts for all 32 NFL teams. Let's get it. in studio with my guy mike renner ready to do second year breakouts you have a breakout listed for all 32 nfl teams i have some disagreements here i'm gonna i'm gonna have some other ones that i like some other guys that i think will be bigger breakouts for these teams but this one should be a ton of fun this is a rookies and draft prospects podcast so we're gonna look at some of these guys this is the last time we'll really talk about them yeah second year guys yeah i would say they're no longer rookies anymore technically so this is we're already breaking our own you're kind of setting them off we're setting them off you hate to see it but should be uh, a do (laughs) should be a good time before we get into it wanted to say a couple things one i got that story where that chick one up to me the first date story two we are doing some recon on two for one drafts i'm opening up the dms if you're interested in providing feedback on two for one drafts we're considering some song changes some logo changes potentially a name Not change. considering we are changing we are changing <laughs> we are changing we are changing some things about two for one drafts if you're interested in providing some feedback on two for one yeah. drafts what you like about the podcast what you don't like some name ideas some different things like that i have a cool survey set up if you want to reach out via twitter via dm we can do a one-on-one zoom there might be a handful of two-on-one three-on-one zooms and we're going to talk a little bit about mm-hmm. two for one drafts provide feedback there two-on-one. should be a ton of fun two for yeah. one drafts not We've, for long we also forgot to mention it's your birthday it is my birthday so big two seven 27 years young here on two for one draft should be a ton of fun all right let's get to the state story so i meet this chick at a coffee shop and um we're just talking for a little bit and i say something about like oh yeah i had like a crazy first date story and she's like i tell the one about that chick who had like three duis in six months which is a classic an absolute classic if you haven't heard that story on this podcast go back and find it because it's an absolute classic and she's like okay i think i have a pretty good one chick tells me she meets this guy on a train she meets this guy on a train who's got sunglasses on and she immediately recognizes him as hot train guy she's like oh he's attractive he has a mask on and sunglasses which talk about range okay you could be a two or a ten yeah if you have a mask on a mask and sunglasses on you could be a two or 10. We don't know where it is. Yeah, but she thought he was hot. Starts talking to him a little bit. He asks her on a date, asks for a number, gets her number. She puts him in his phone. Hot train guy. Love to see it. You love to see it. Um, they agree to grab drinks. When they're going out for drinks, conversation's a little bit light. He still has the sunglasses on inside at this bar. Interesting. An interesting choice. This is where they're at. An interesting choice. He ends up, they're talking for a little bit, and then he ends up, she says to me, he's planning a fascist movement. And one of the first questions he asks her, is what type of people would you want to oppress in this fascist movement? She kind of laughs a little bit and she's like, ah, Canadian? She's like, no, no, no. He's like, no, no, no. It has to be people in this country. Like serious. And she's like, oh my gosh, I don't want to oppress anyone. That was the weirdest question I've ever heard. Whatever. The date gets weirder from there. Obviously the conversation is a disaster. Dude still has sunglasses on, by the way. Down the line, down the line a little bit later, down the line a little bit later, she's like, okay, I never got your name. Like, what's your name? He's like, I prefer not to say. Wouldn't even tell her her name. They're in a public space. Then they go to a restaurant after drinks. They sit down at the restaurant. Why is she still there? If you Who knows? Not she said she was too young to like leave at that. She was like still not yeah. that confident or whatever the fuck it was. But then they go to this restaurant. They sit down. Waiter comes up and like, oh, what would you guys like? And he speaks for her and he says, we're not eating. We're not eating anything. So they're sitting at this restaurant. Didn't order anything. They're sitting at a table in a restaurant and refusing to order anything with sunglasses on. She ends up, they end up leaving there. He invites her back or something like that. She says no. And then she said the best part of the date though, and this is the kicker, the best part of the date, never got his name, never took his sunglasses off. On the walk back to her car, he recites, no, impersonates every single character in the Lord of the Rings. Like, including, like, orc number four in the cave. And she said it was the best impersonation she ever heard of Lord of the Rings. So the guy, <laughs> she, she came out with a story. But I was like, that is honest. It sounds like she was pulling first date mm-hmm. items out of a bag. And then yeah. they just he just kept throwing them at her. And I was like, dude, I can't top that. That sounds insane. No one's asked me who I should oppress. So. I kind of dig the don't give a name. <laughs> you do. You, you, you're <laughs> stop. You would never do that. I know I wouldn't. But, I like, I respect the fact that he refused to give a name. I respect Either way. That. 
All right. Well, remember that the first date story, fantastic. Remember, send me a Twitter, send me a Twitter DM if you're interested in doing that Zoom feedback session on Two Four Drafts. We'd love to hear from you. Get that one-on-one feedback. Would be awesome as we approach the summer and approach a rebrand for Two Four Drafts. All right. Possibly. Let's start with the NFC North here. Second year breakouts for all thirty-two NFL teams, starting with the Green Bay Packers. Yeah, this is going to be wide receiver T. Higgins. Oh wait, no, they they passed on him last year. No, it's going to be linebacker Kamal Martin. In my opinion, I actually was impressed with what I saw from him as a rookie. Now. He got hurt. Uh, it was hurt at the beginning of the year. Didn't play until week seven. But I thought he took on blocks a lot better than I expected from what I saw from on tape in Minnesota. Pretty physical. Obviously, uh, new defense. They're going to be running there in Green Bay. Probably less dime. I'd say he'll be on the field more this year. Uh, so I, I think Kamal Martin's the guy I'm most excited to see for the Green Bay Packers. Now, obviously, one quarterback could be breaking out as well in terms of actually playing. But I trust Kamal Martin to be, from what I saw from him as a rookie, like I said, 71.0 coverage grade, 68.5 overall on 208 snaps. So excited to see him. Yeah, only 73 coverage snaps last year. Fifth round pick out of Minnesota. Pick 175, 6'3", 235. I think the second year breakout has to be not Kamal Martin, Jordan Love. I've, I mentioned him. I, I, I have zero faith, though, like in him actually playing well though can you thing. believe that tim boyle was the backup all of last season and not jordan love that makes no sense to me yes i can i mean i can because we saw him play his last year at utah state like the dude threw almost as many picks as touchdowns that year he was objectively not good like people want to make the comparisons between him and trey lance they were night and day in terms of how they took care of the football and just operated the offense so he was it's not surprising to me that if he's struggling against Mountain West competition that the NFL might be a little little difficult for him out the gate. But what about AJ Dillon now entering kind of the Jamal Williams role? Because you know he's gonna get more involved. This okay, year. but that's just like Jamal Williams is still the backup. I mean, mm-hmm. Aaron Jones is still the feature back there. So I, I I think he's gonna be fine when he gets the touches, but the touches are still gonna be infrequent. So all right, let's jump to the Chicago Bears. Yeah. Chicago Bears, I'm gonna go now. There's a couple options here. I like Jalen Johnson heading into year two. But I love Darnell Mooney heading into year two. And Jalen Johnson with, already had a really good season. Yeah, Johnson was already very good. I mean, Mooney was too. 631 yards as a rookie with a lot of missed opportunities, shall we say. A, a, a good number there with the Foles-Trubisky combo heaving him downfield passes. Now, Andy Dalton, if he is the starter, not, not a massive upgrade, but I would say an upgrade. Justin Fields is a starter accuracy-wise down the football field. That's a big upgrade, so... I think Darnell Mooney, I'm expecting some big things from him from what we saw from down the stretch. Dude, Darnell Mooney, the Fields connection, I'm excited about it. What's your take? I saw Chris Collinsworth said that he thinks Justin Fields should start week one. He said that on the Chris Collinsworth podcast. What's your opinion of that? I, I, I hate having an outside take on a quarterback situation like that because it's they're all they're fair, all fair. unique. You know, they're all how does the guy how was the guy picking up the offense? How is he looking camp? Does he need does he have things that he needs to fix? Now I thought Justin Fields in terms of like footwork uh how he operates and like technically was very good now people have questions about his release and whatever and it's a little slower than the other guys but i wouldn't it's not to the point where you change anything about what he does uh from that regard so i don't think there's anything he needs to like necessarily work on to all of a sudden get ready for the nfl that's when i worry about throwing a guy to the wolves is when he's got to change you know when it, when it really is going to be a big step for him i don't think that's gonna be the case with field so i don't i see no reason why he shouldn't start week one uh but Again, it's always case by case. Here's another flyer I'll throw out there if he can earn a spot in camp is Travis Gibson at a Tulsa fifth round pick in 2020, a guy that we really liked, yeah. guy we had on this podcast, I think a handful of times. Going to be 24 years old this year, six foot four, 253. A guy that I think, man, if he can get into the rotation, I do think he can have some success. We really liked him coming out of Tulsa. But that again, fifth, former fifth round pick, he's got to earn that spot, got to get through the yeah. 53 and that type of stuff. But going now to the Minnesota Vikings. I'm going to go with one Cameron. Dantzler, third round corner. Not, not Gladney, huh? Yeah, I mean, Gladney. <laughs> what break, happened? Break, he'd have to break out of jail first. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> Come on. that was bad. Uh, but, but, but seriously, uh, Dantzler, though, I mean, down the stretch, he had some games there. Uh, two of his last four games, he had those two picks. Uh, I think he had that forced fumble uh, also down the stretch. Who was that against? That was against the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, but he was already the second highest grade cornerback as a rookie. Now, second highest grade cornerback among rookies was no nothing necessarily to hang your hat on last year with how badly they performed. Only a sixty nine point eight coverage grade, 
But I, I think this guy heading into year two, I thought he was perfect scheme fit when they drafted him. I thought he went, could not have gone to a more ideal place for him in Mike Zimmer's defense. And I think heading into year two, you're only going to see him get continue to improve. Still only 22 years old. This guy, like besides the fact that he ran a four six whatever at his at the combine, he really and was like skinny. He really had everything else you wanted from quarterback. So I'm excited to see what he does in year two. Man, to give an update on Jeff Gladney, because I know we've hinted at it a bit, oh, but yeah. I do think it's important to give some details here. He was he turned himself in after there was a warrant issued for his arrest. He was uh, charged with a third-degree felony of violence assault against his girlfriend. He is facing two to ten years in prison if convicted. Yeah. Uh, apparently, he assaulted his girlfriend over some text messages. Again, Jesus. garbage human, garbage human. Definitely not going to be a breakout here. Um what about Cameron Dancer? I think is a good one. Ezra Cleveland is another name I really yeah. like too. Ezra Cleveland as well. Um, I think they're obviously keeping him at guard, where he looked good as a rookie uh, down the stretch. I, I, I just think Dancer. I was obviously higher on Dancer. Oh yeah, absolutely. Cleveland. So yeah, Ezra Cleveland will be will be interesting to see if he can. I mean, if he can stick there at guard, man. I mean, this Vikings offensive line could sure use it, man. That interior offensive line has been bad for a while. Yeah, like they have a they have some so they drafted really well last year one of the best drafts we'll get to that when we we're going to read according to pff's draft grades last year i think we gave them an a plus um we gave them an a initially looking mm -hmm. back oh an a initially yes correct. they'd have the best in my opinion them in tampa in terms of like draft capital versus what they got in return one of the best um so like their draft last year was awesome. I thought the draft this year was awesome. And then what they did in free agency, getting like Patrick Peterson, re-upping re that defensive line. They have some turnaround potential here. If Rodgers is not there, they are easily the favorites in the NFC North. All right, let's go ahead and now jump to the Detroit Lions. Second year breakout. It's got to be. It's got to be. I mean, <laughs> Jeffrey Okuda, it, it just has to be. Just getting him as far away from Matt Patricia as humanly possible. Now, a lot. Some of it was on him too. Like not some of it. Like it was still he played poorly in situations. Like the urgency just wasn't there. And now he was super patient on his tape at Ohio State. But it's like, dude, this is the NFL. You gotta like crank. You you can't be patient. You gotta sometimes uh, kick it into that next gear that he does have. In my opinion, you gotta crank it up a little quicker than he did this past year. I think you'll see a much the speed of the game will be much slower for him in year two. And I think you'll see a much better player. Yeah, I think Jeffrey Okuda takes massive steps forward. It's just like too good to fail. Like too, too, I mean, the traits are there. All that's there. Yeah. Like the experience at Ohio State, man, coverage was there. And massive I think there's, similar, there's similarities in, dude. go ahead. I would say massive wingspan, explosive dude, like all, all the things you could want from a corner. Really good tape at Ohio State. And, yeah. and I think there's, there's similarities in, you know, I think Patrick Queen and Jeffrey Okuda were both really successful in college. I think a lot of it was because of confidence. And I don't think you saw confidence from Queen yeah. as much, specifically in coverage, and from Akuda. And Akuda, to be fair, to have confidence going against the Slater receivers he saw would have been insane. He was going against Devontae Adams, DeAndre Hopkins. He was seeing good receiver after good receiver and, and getting cooked because of it. But still, I think Akuda takes a step forward. I'm also really excited about this Detroit Lions offensive line due to two second-year guys, Jonah Jackson and Logan Stenberg on the interior. We like both those guys coming out. Jonah Jackson a little bit more, but a third and fourth round pick from 2020 slated to start alongside Frank Ragnow there and then you got Taylor Decker at left tackle and you add Penesul to come and play right tackle this is gonna be a very good Detroit Lions offensive line top five top ten top, top five, ten top, easily yeah top ten easily offensive line in the NFL it's you expect some development obviously from those second year guys I'm looking forward to it let's now jump to the NFC South starting with the New Orleans Saints New Orleans Saints I think Cesar Ruiz could get some love here, but I think Zach Bond will play a bigger role this year. Now, obviously, they draft Pete Werner in the second round, lose Alex Anzalone, but I, I think Zach Bond, like they drafted him in the third round, obviously in 2020. I think he just plays a bigger role, whether it's as a sub package rusher, because only 102 snaps as a rookie. Played a few more down the stretch, played a, a few more games down the stretch, and obviously had 19 snaps uh, against Tampa Bay in that divisional round loss, but. I'm just excited to see him on the football field. A Snap more. increase, yeah. yeah. Just get more snaps now that they, there's some opportunity there with the linebackers leaving. Mm -hmm. What's your opinion of Cesar Ruiz's first season? Earned a 53.8 overall grade, played over 880 offensive snaps at right guard. Do you see him taking a step forward? I do. He was super young coming out. He wasn't even 21 years old. And now he'll turn. So he's 21 right now. Like the guy was a young football player trying to play in the NFL who was 
probably just that's why it didn't really make sense to me at the time mm -hmm. when they drafted him like damn you had a complete offensive line you're all in for this year and you drafted i don't want to call him a project but a guy who may struggle out the gate uh kind of similar to like james daniels from the reminded me a lot of daniels coming out of iowa uh, i think he was only 20 and i'm like he's just going to struggle initially because he's not strong like he's not necessarily strong enough to deal with the nfl game not a lot of guys are 20 years old it's rare so they drafted him, cut Warford, and then like Ruiz wasn't. It was a downgrade from Warford. That was an interesting sort yep. of transition. I mean, he got some snaps. To be fair, I mean, at least they gave yeah. him that opportunity. I think second year you start to see some development from him. But true was not, you know, definitely raw coming out. Let's now jump to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and there's only one answer here. There's only one answer for Detroit as Jeffrey Okuda, but there's only one answer for the Bucs as well because their first two picks were already breakouts. Out. Tristan yeah. Wirfs and Antoine Winfield Jr. were two of the better picks in the NFL draft last year, and they went to the same team. Yeah. But I think I like this other pick for them. Yeah, there's really only one guy who can feasibly break out, and it's Tyler Johnson. And even then, it's like he's, he might not, he's not going to have a lot of opportunity, but I think he may get more opportunity than he saw a season ago, uh, especially in terms of like if anyone goes down in that offense. I think he's the next man up. Uh, so, yeah, Tyler Johnson, the wide receiver, I think is your only candidate there for them. All right, jumping off the Bucks here, going to the Carolina Panthers. Who's their second-year breakout? Carolina Panthers' second-year breakout is Etor Gross Matos. Another one where I would have said, um, gosh, his name is Troy Pride Jr., had he not just gotten like usurped in the offseason by them drafting uh, J.C. Horn. Horn, them signing A.J. Bouye. And obviously Dante Jackson's still in the mix there, so he's probably he's going to see fiddle, his fifth fiddle. Yeah, he's going to see his snaps decreased here. I think Etor, we saw some flashes of him early on, gets hurt, comes back from the injury, and never really flashed again. But I think he's obviously going to be in the mix across from Brian Burns, who will be starting 377 snaps as a rookie. We shall see what he does, but that, that would be my candidate there for them. I also think Derek Brown, obviously the former first-round pick out of Auburn, takes a significant step forward in 2021, earned just yeah. a 61.0 PFF grade this past year. A lot of that was just early on, like, adjusting, because they threw him to the fire. He, he played 43 snaps against Vegas's interior offensive line week one. Like, he yeah. was thrown into the fire and then progressively got better, specifically as a pass rusher, too. I looked at... From nose tackle alignments, he played a bulk majority of his snaps along uh, head up or shaded on the center. He had the third highest pass rush win rate of any defensive tackle from those alignments. I do think that plays more of that position, continues to get better. I can see his grade jumping 10, 15 points in 2021. Yeah, I was going to say, so some of this, I, I, I think people already had a high opinion of Brown and Chiefs' yeah, yeah. rookie season to where it's like, they play well in year two. I'm not sure people are going to consider that a breakout. Mm -hmm. Now, there are some other guys in this list that I put that are in the similar vein. So it's... Breakout's a relative term, shall we say. Yeah, I'm not necessarily disagreeing with you. Just use an yeah. opportunity to talk about that rookie class. Right. What about your boy Bravion Roy? Bravion Roy, I think he's getting he's not gonna have the PT. He's not gonna get the He also struggled quite a bit against the run last year. He's got those tiny little baby arms, but uh <sighs> poor guy. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. They, they signed Jaquan Jones. So I'm interested why. to see yeah, what they do on defense. I'm, I'm interested in the Carolina Panthers. I keep bringing it up too. Like I like what they did in the draft over the past two years, specifically on defense. Mm -hmm. It's like, all right. Sam Darnold, we need to see it click. If we don't see it click, man, this all this for naught. You know what I mean? That's that's the brutal part of it. All right, last one in the NFC South here, the Atlanta Falcons. This guy, I just want to see, literally, like Marlon Davidson. So he did so much hype for him coming out of Auburn. I, I have not seen him at all. Well, and then so he got hurt, then got COVID, and then he got hurt again. 132 total snaps as a rookie, and, and now he looked. He actually had a 68.5 run defense grade there, but was more obviously utilized as a sub-package rusher when he did play for the Falcons, but, like, was just kind of screwed, like, behind the eight ball his whole rookie season. So, literally just want to see this dude, what he can do with, obviously, a full off season now and hopefully being healthy. Some other players from that draft class I'm interested to see maybe more of. Matt Hennessy played, you know, two games at center down the stretch, over 60 mm -hmm. snaps. And the other guy that I know that they're high on, talking to some of the people um, on the Atlanta Falcons, at least – Digital co content size, Michael Walker, a linebacker that yeah. played a decent amount, earned over a 90.0 PFF coverage grade this past year. We've had him, I believe, on this podcast or I talked to him on a serious show, one or the other. But I think he's an interesting guy that I think could see more snaps, continue to see more snaps at off-ball linebacker Michael Walker coming out of uh, – where did he get drafted out of? Michael Walker Fresno out of Fresno State, State maybe. Fresno oh, State, fourth-round pick out of Fresno State. All right, now jumping to the NFC East, starting with the football team. Yeah, I'm going to go with this, – this was one I was like – 
who do I go with as like a breakout? Because Chase Young probably already broken out. After that, like Antonio Gibson, did he break out? He had 826 rushing yards. Is that a breakout? I think he's going to have a monster year. Like as I think he's going to have a monster year too. I think their offensive line should be better this upcoming season. Now they just cut or are going to cut part ways with Morgan Moses. But I don't feel like Sadiq Charles was the guy who I was high enough on to say he's going to break out in year two. I I didn't see it with him. That's why he's a fourth rounder, 108th overall. Cam Curl, I think he's a good player. I'm not sure he's going to be much better than he was stud. last year. Like, yeah, he was very good last year. I'm not sure he was like, that's why he's a seventh rounder. But Antonio Gibson, I feel very good about. If he just gets the opportunity, this guy's going to produce. So, Antonio Gibson, get get your Antonio Gibson shares now. Oh, wow. Fantasy stocks, advice. Stocks, stocks going, no, stocks going <laughs> You're getting up. fantasy advice? I no, love that's to just see a, it. That's just uh, what's, what's interesting about Antonio Gibson, the thing that we talked about a ton coming out of Memphis, highest force missed tackle rate on so few carries. You know, because he only had like, what, 30-ish carries coming out of Memphis that season. But then this past year, 39 broken tackles as a rookie. A really, really good game on Thanksgiving. I think that's when everyone kind of fell in love with Antonio Gibson against the Dallas Cowboys there. And the other thing I'll add, too, of all the backs in the NFL with over 100 carries last year, Antonio Gibson had the lowest percentage of carries with that gains zero or fewer yards, three point eight percent. Not getting stuffed at the line. And we'll uh, and we said that running back, more so than any other position in the NFL, hits the ground. Run, damn it, hits the ground running. I hate, that. I just said that. that. I hate that. I just did that. I didn't even try to. I didn't want to. It sucked. I don't like hearing. Um, but they're they're the most NFL ready. But if anyone, any of that running back class could have like room for growth in terms of like how they, yes, you know, uh, running style, whatever. It was Antonio Gibson, the guy who lived, who didn't even play running back. So, of any of those guys, he could feasibly still be improving, and he was fantastic last year. Four point five per carry, uh, two point whatever after contact. I should have should have had that ready, but whatever. Still, two point five. I'm, I'm excited for Antonio Gibson year two, man. I think it was yes. a good year last year, but I agree that he is a big breakout candidate. All right, let's jump now to the New York Giants. I'm going to go now. They got a couple. I think both Andrew Thomas and this guy are going to have much, much better second years. This guy like would have honestly had a very good rookie year had he just been healthy. And it's Xavier McKinney, safety there, second round pick. I, I just think he's a he's the guy who gets that football player label. Didn't test off the charts. Wasn't going to wow you with any sort of freak athleticism, but the guy knows how to fucking play the game of football. So Xavier McKinney, uh, I thought when he saw him, like I said, was hurt, didn't play, didn't make start until week 14 last year. Only played the last four games, but he looked like the real deal as a rookie. I, I think he's going to have a big year too. What were your What were your biggest concerns with Andrew Thomas's rookie tape? Where did you see the biggest concerns and where's the biggest opportunity for improvement for the former first rounder? So his like vertical sets were just a fucking mess. Like <laughs> they really were, and he it was not something he really did at um, Georgia. There's a lot of angle sets at Georgia, a lot of like condensed formations there, and he's kind of tight to the guys he's blocking. But when he had space with edge rushers, he just really struggled with his relationships. And so um, I think that's the biggest thing. You, you saw some improvement with that, like I said, down the stretch with him already. But I think year two, like a full off season of prep, it just was something that, like I said, you just didn't see on his tape him asked to do it at Georgia. And now it's completely different in the NFL. So I think it'll get fixed. Like he's got the physical tools. It's there. But it just, he was, that's how it goes for a lot of offensive linemen in the NFL. Another question on the Giants before we jump to the Cowboys here. Have you decided what they're going to do along the offensive line? Like, who are they going to start on the, along the five? Like, is it no, going to be? I have no fucking clue. I have, I have no idea it's, either. It's a weird combination to try to shoehorn in there that they might just roll. They, I think they might just have to keep Peart and Solder at tackle and have Peart be the backup. I don't know. Like, you don't kick Thomas into guard. Like, Thomas is the one who most logically could kick into guard. But how, you just don't like, want to do that, yeah. Put your tail between your legs and say, hey, we're kicking that. But it's also like you don't want to throw Shane Lemieux out there because he was a fucking disaster as a rookie. He was bad. He was so bad. It's not, sorry, Shane, but it, you, were just, you weren't ready, buddy. Um, yeah, that's it, it's a weird – they got a weird kind of congregation of talent there. All right, let's jump But they'll to, be better. They'll yeah. be better this year. Let's jump to the can't Dallas be, Cowboys. Can't be horror. <laughs> Dallas Cowboys, biggest second-year breakout. I'm going to go now. I think CeeDee Lamb, I think, already qualified. It's like everyone knew that dude was awesome as a rookie. Just didn't really have the opportunity after Dak went down. I'm going to go Trayvon Diggs. You saw some flashes of it, and I think a lot of the big plays he, start, he gave up early on, 
last season, you started to see go away by the end of last year. So if you kind of just like take away the early season struggles, he was a much improved cornerback down the stretch. So I think we'll see that sort of that transitional period's gone. We'll see the steady guy we saw, maybe not a super high end cornerback, but I think he'll be a much more solid corner. And he goes in a Dan Quinn scheme that's much better suited for his strengths than whatever the hell they were trying to run last year. What was your opinion of Tyler Biotis? He's slated to start at center for them. He only played, what, a little over 400 snaps this past season, former fourth-round pick out of Wisconsin, 6'3", 319. Do you feel like Tyler Biotis now probably going to be the starter for the you know bulk, all of that next season if he yeah. can stay healthy? Do you think Tyler Biotis takes a step forward? Yeah, I mean, I, obviously I think he does, but I, I don't see – like I think Diggs had a lot more reason to be encouraged about what he can do in year two. Biotis, I think, is a solid center, but I, I don't see him like – turning into that dude they need some the they need some second year leaps from everyone pretty much besides cd lamb obviously cd lamb you want to see him improve but like trevon diggs needs to bounce back neville gallimore needs to bounce back quite a bit tyler biotish you'd like to see him grade a lot better so banking on some rookies here are probably going to see some significant roles as well in 2021 all right off of the cowboys and onto the philadelphia eagles i knew you'd pick this guy for the eagles man he is your guy no, your guy this guy the safety Kayvon wallace he played some down the stretch the last five games of last season. I, I think he sees more playing time even this year, whether it's in slot or obviously at safety. I, I just don't trust. Well, one, I would I would pick Jack Driscoll. Jack, Jack Driscoll had a path to the field. The Obviously, the tackle they drafted out of Auburn last year, who did fill in and played actually very well as a rookie in spelling uh, when guys were hurt along that offensive line. But I just don't trust. I don't trust Hurts. And then at that point, I don't trust him to get the ball to Rager, who's – Obviously, you now had Devontae Smith there as well. And then Davion Taylor was such a project coming out of Colorado. So I will pick Kayvon Wallace if I got anyone on their roster to have a breakout year two. I think Kayvon Wallace is the only answer here. I really like that pick for the Eagles. You'd like to see him. I mean, do you imagine he's going to get used exclusively at safety? How do you imagine he gets deployed? Because he played a ton of slot cornerback at Clemson. Yeah, so Jay no more Jalen Mills, obviously, there, who was starting safety. Now, I believe Rodney McLeod's still there. Um, and you have Anthony Harris, who you signed. So there's not necessarily the cleanest path to the field for him, but we shall see. What are your expectations for Jalen Rager and Jalen Hurts entering year two? Those are the two big names. Those are the names that they really want to yeah. pan out in 2021. I just I don't see it with Hurts as a passer, man. Like I don't. It's not a. I just don't. I just don't see it. I, even even like when they were moving the ball better than obviously Carson Wentz, which is like a low fucking bar to be moving the ball better than. A lot of that was hurt scrambling. And now you'll see some second reactions, some big plays from them. But I don't think you're going to see consistent production that could warrant like breakout status from either. All right. Let's get off of the NFC East and onto the NFC West. But before we do so, Let's get a quick break from our sponsors here at Western Southern. This podcast is brought to you by Western Southern. In these uncertain times, life is full of questions. Like, when should I start thinking about life insurance? But however difficult these questions may be, Western Southern can help you answer them. Backed by over 130 years of experience, together we can look ahead to leave the unknown behind. Western Southern Financial Group, life insurance, retirement, and investments, compensated endorser, products issued by member companies of Western Southern Financial Group, Cincinnati, Ohio. All right, NFC West, Seattle Seahawks, start with them. I'm going to go Alton Robinson. Now, they get Daryl Taylor back from injury. But Alton Robinson, this guy was thought of as a prospect at one point. Like, he was very good his junior season. Had a terrible senior year. Drops to the fifth round. But then he comes in and was probably their most productive pass rusher outside of Carlos Dunlap last year. So, I'm not sure the opportunities for him are going to be massive. Only 344 snaps. You got LJ Collier there as well, who, who knows what the hell he's up to. Uh, anymore, but I do think Alton Robinson, what we saw from a 65.9 pass rushing grade for, for a rookie, that that's pretty encouraging, and especially a fifth rounder. So, like I said, if you, I think in the early, early days of two for one drafts, he was a guy where, like, hey man, like he's a, he can bull rush on his tape there at Syracuse. You see him, uh, he's a formerly highly regarded recruit too, that like, I think left Texas AM due to some off field stuff and then went to Syracuse. Oh, yeah. no, Syracuse. And so, there's something there i just i don't think anyone knew why he was so bad his senior year and really was not productive his last year at syracuse but and I'm, I'm intrigued by what we saw as a rookie you know what was your opinion of jordan brooks last year obviously one of the lower graded linebackers in the nfl according to pff which you know, was one of the bigger consensus reaches of the first round according to the athletic consensus board 
what was wrong with Jordan Brooks' tape last year, and where does he need the most improve? Well, their stupid like base defense that they love running there. They do love running the base. It's just like you get you get put in shitty situations when you're in base defense. You know, like that's why like you you get hung out to dry because you're going up against slot receivers when you're matching three wide with. So many teams running 11 <laughs> personnel more than 50% of the time, and still Seattle yeah. adamant about putting three linebackers on the football so, field. I'm pulling up the numbers now to see like how often they're in base. I know it's the most in the NFL, but I want to know what percentage it is. It's I'll look comically the most. Like it, they just refuse. And in, in today's day and age, like I said, like Jordan Brooks having a coverage grade of 29.4 last year, mm-hmm. I, I don't know how much you can blame him. When a lot of times you're just not, like I said, not being put in a good situation. Yeah, man. That is that so. is rough to see. Rough to see. All right. Jumping off of the Seattle Seahawks here, we go to the Los Angeles Rams. Biggest second-year breakout for the Los Angeles Rams. I'm going to go with Terrell Lewis, the third-round edge defender out of Alabama. I, I thought he was a little bit better than the third rounder where he ended up going pick 84. He was a guy like I didn't love when he was getting first-round hype. Then once he goes to 84 overall, I'm like, oh, okay, dude, that's actually not a bad pick at all. Um, long dude, I, I, thought, I think he probably fell to where he did because of his injury history at Alabama. And obviously, uh, I think, did he have COVID or something? Like, he, he didn't get on the field until week five this past year. I can't remember off the top of my head exactly why. But I, I really liked what I saw from him in the running game, his length, his ability to set the edge, and obviously that defense. And when you have Aaron Donald in the interior – it is conducive to playing at the edge position at a high level, as we saw with Leonard Floyd having a breakout year there last year as well. So I think I'm excited to see what he does in that defense. I, I was going to pick Terrell Burgess of Utah. Didn't play a lot last year. I know he had an injury. I think Terrell Burgess of Utah would be my pick there, the former yeah. third-round pick out of Utah, a guy that had a ton of instincts. I remember talking to him last year and watching his tape, the guy who like plays with that you know vision head start that we brought up a handful of times. Stop but then bringing up vision head start. I love vision head start. The other, the other name that I think people probably were expecting from you is maybe Van Jefferson. What was your opinion of Van Jefferson's season last year? I know he had some successes, some non-successes. I think he had a, a close to 400 receiving yards last year. Do you imagine Van Jefferson maybe taking a step forward? I'm not a big Van Jefferson guy. I wasn't coming out. Yeah. I told that to Zach Robinson. They still draft him in the second round. Um, now, Zach told me that Justin Jefferson was wide receiver one. So, like you know, to each their own. He he got he got that one. Uh, I still just like don't think I thought he was just does not have the play strength that I wanted to see. And he's old. He's, like, he's almost twenty five. Yeah, twenty five this season. Yeah, so we'll be twenty five this year. Last two games though, seven targets in week seventeen, six targets in the divisional playoff game. We'll see if Van Jefferson's role steps up. Two two at level. He will, he will yeah. have more play, but I, I think like I'd rather have Deshaun Jackson out there than Van. Just saying. That's a fair take. All right, Cardinals. This is probably the one they're freaking hoping for, man. They need to see a second year breakout from this kid. Isaiah Simmons, and, and I think they will. Like I, I think the biggest thing was just. <clears throat> He was not a linebacker at Clemson. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it, it's it's not that, and I've said it about like Jeremiah was Cormo. It's not that those guys when their skill sets can't play linebacker. It's just that they haven't done it. And so when you haven't done it, it might like a lot of things like just fucking how to match an angle route, which was you know what everyone clowned him for week one against San Francisco. You've never done it before. He's never seen an angle route and none, known what to do because he's always been 15, 20 yards off the ball. So basically, like, getting those things up to speed, athletically, he can do it all. He, he can. And you saw it come to fruition more down the stretch. I mean, he finished with a 69.9 coverage grade even after, you know, giving up over, like, almost 100 yards that week one game and then getting clowned by everyone. Like, he was still very good down the stretch. The athleticism is still going to play. And now you have this interesting hybrid potential with him and Zayvon Collins that I think you're going to see a big year from Isaiah Simmons. I just do. Yeah, I think Isaiah Simmons is the obvious answer here. Some other names that I'm interested to see more of. Lecky Fotu, you know, former uh, Utah defensive tackle that I thought was going to hit the ground running as a run defender, earned just a 39.1 run defense grade last year on over 100 snaps. And then is there a path to the field for your guy out of Houston, Josh Jones? I know that they've, they've had good tackle play. And, you know, he's what? Like so, around 310 pounds, is there probably no opportunity to play on the inside? They re-signed Kelvin Beecham. Um, I think maybe there's going to be a competition, and they wanted to keep him at tackle. Like they want that swing tackle back up because that's more valuable yeah. than maybe having the minor upgrade at guard, getting a guy who knows going to be solid at a tackle. So uh, he, he could feasibly beat out Kelvin Beecham. They didn't pay Kelvin Beecham a ton. It wouldn't surprise me, but I, I think he still may just be that swing tackle backup. 
interested to see if Josh Jones can win that spot. Because uh, Kelvin Beecham held his own last year, and DJ Humphreys has played well a lot Dude, better. Kelvin Beecham is one of the most underrated players in the NFL. It's like, a great he's take. been very good in pass protection ever since his left tackle for the Steelers back in what 2014. Back then, I don't know. He's just been very solid in that regard. Great, one of the craziest builds in the NFL. If if you haven't seen Kelvin Beecham or like know what I'm talking about, his waist is like the waist of a six foot eight man, but he's only six foot three. Like he is one of the most what? high cut human beings. Go you've not seen it apparently yourself. Go look up Kelvin Beecham waist. Just I just Googled Kelvin Beecham waist and I'm looking for images. Uh, he does have a weird build. He's got a super high waist. Look at there's one picture of him next to like three other offensive linemen. He's got the highest waist, but he's like three inches shorter than all of them. What the hell? You see the picture I'm talking yeah, about? Yeah, yeah, I do. It's insane. That is the weirdest looking human being I've ever seen. He's got a crazy build. If, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> if you've never seen Kelvin Beecham's build, go look it up. It's wild. hilarious. Wild. Wild to see. What the hell is that? All right. Um, the other thing I was going to say is, is I think DJ Humphreys has played really well. You yeah. know, DJ Humphreys playing at left tackle this past year, 90.8. Run blocking grade this past yeah. year, 79.9 pass blocking grade over the him, over the, and, him and Garrett Bowles kind of got like roasted early on in their careers and have really turned it around in recent years. Now they're obviously different draft classes, but but it's also he's kind of the poster boy for a lot of times why thinking you're gonna fix your offensive line in the first round isn't as sweet as it seems because those guys, yeah, he turned out good. That's a hit. Chalk it up. I hit it. Mm -hmm. He didn't, he wouldn't play well until year five. Yeah. You know, like he didn't, he, he's not a quality offensive tackle for you until then. So. All right. Jumping to the San Francisco 49ers, biggest second year breakout for them. I'm going to go with, so the IUK, it's like, I, I think IUK is going to be fantastic, but I think everyone saw it mm -hmm. as a rookie. Kind of like CD Lamb. With, it's like everyone kind of knew. The one who's, was up and down as a rookie that needs to take a second year is Javon Kinlaw. And now you saw the flashes, man, and the flashes were awesome from him. But he finished with a 58.0 pass rush grade, 46.9 run defense grade. It was not there consistently whatsoever. And now he even told us, like, he's like they didn't teach us how to pass, pass rushing moves at South Carolina. Um, and that's a, that's a big-ass thing. Like, uh, that is pretty massive. I actually just watched a Larry Johnson, um, the Ohio State defense line coach, a, a whole clinic about his pass rush moves that he teaches at Ohio State. And she's like, if you're not doing similar stuff to that, like if you're not being coached stuff like that, I, I don't know what kind of chance you have. Like you have to be a physical freak if you're really not getting taught and drilling it's so much more of a stuff. skill position than maybe even people give credit for i mean it, you need to know the moves well it's like a both at the nfl level like at the college level you can win with like if you're super skilled or super athletic you, you get the job done at the nfl level it's like it's got to be a confluence of both you can't just be super athletic you can't just be solomon thomas you can't just be that uh you can't just be super skilled you can't just be uh i don't know Shalit calhoun you have to be both all right, before we jump to the AFC, a quick break here from DraftKings. DraftKings Sportsbook is giving you a chance to lower the over-under on a featured playoff game. All players who place a bet on the featured basketball game will have a hand in lowering the over-under on the game. That's right. For every 1,500 players who bet the over on a select game, the over-under will drop by one point. DraftKings is a safe, secure, and reliable place to bet so you can deposit and withdraw your funds at your convenience. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code PFF when you sign up to hammer the over. For every 1,500 people that bet the over in the featured game, the line will decrease by one point. Yes, this is your chance to improve the odds of the over hitting. So tell your friends and family this is a team effort. Hammer the over and improve your odds of doubling your money. That's promo code PFF for a limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 years or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. Restrictions apply. Max $25 wager, one per customer. Offer ends 5-23-21, May 23rd, 2021. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. AFC time, baby. On to the Pittsburgh Steelers. Yes. Go ahead. Now they got a couple options here. But I think Kevin Dotson, obviously, is going to slot in uh, at left guard. And what we saw from him as a rookie, he was one of the best rookie guards in the NFL. He finished with 87.2 pass blocking grade. And we know, obviously, the Steelers' history of developing offense linemen. Now, a lot of that was under Mike Munchak, uh, who's not there any longer, obviously. I think he's still with the Broncos, I want to say. Uh, but I do think with how good Dotson was, like, I'm not even sure it's a breakout. It's just 
people are finally going to maybe come around to the fact that he's a very good offensive lineman. I think that's a fair take. Very fair take. Yeah. Uh, this, so what's your take overall on the Pittsburgh Steelers offensive line? Obviously, Dotson stepping in, predicting a second-year breakout for them. Are they a bottom five unit, a bottom ten unit? People are talking about this offensive line like it's an absolute shambles, and I know it's not great, but how bad is it? It's bad. And it's because it's because tackle play is so much more valuable than interior play. Absolutely. You know, it's because when you're sending out Chukuma Okorafor and Zach Banner as your tackles, and now Ben Roethlisberger and that offense last year was comically in terms of how quick he was getting quick. balls in. Like he was a lot of a lot of screens, a lot of like RPO stuff, or like quick game stuff. But then also just like Ben was terrified of pressure, and so that helps, obviously. But when you there are situations where you just can't do stuff like that. You're going to have to drop back and pass, and those are going to be scary for them mm-hmm. because you have good guards, you have bad everything else, or feasible, or like just very unknowns at everything else. And yeah, I'd I'd be worried. It's it's bottom five, borderline bottom five. I'm not going to put necessarily bottom five on them just yet, but it's close. Jumping to the Baltimore Ravens, you have Justin Matabuke at their second-year breakout, the former Texas A&M defensive tackle, third-round pick. Yeah, he was a guy we highlighted multiple times on the – what fucking dumb segments do we have? We had a season? bunch of crazy segments, but we did highlight him a ton. He did As have a, a couple single yeah. games where you're like, oh, man, he yeah. kind of showed up. 90.4 against Cleveland, 9.4 grade. He had four pressures in that game. Like He had some quick dubs on his tape. Those were against Wyatt Teller, by the way. No slouch. Pro Bowl guard there. Was he a pro bowler? I don't know. It was just it was a PFF pro bowler, we'll call him that. Absolutely. Um, so Justin Matabuke on that defensive line. Now it's kind of a loaded interior there. Not necessarily as much on the edge, but I think he's still 305 snaps last year, 70.3 grade. I think you're going to see this guy make some moves. Super athlete. Super athlete coming out of Texas A&M. Fell all the way to the third round. I think he's going to be a, a player this year. All right, before we jump off the Baltimore Ravens, I asked you this question about Jordan Brooks. Patrick Queen. 30.0 coverage grade last year, mm. 29.0 run defense grade, 29.7 overall grade across more than 940 snaps. People in Baltimore think he played a lot better than that. How does it get better for Patrick Queen? He was just so up and down. It, like the consistency aspect was not there. You would just see him just lost too many times. But then also like you still saw it. It was very reminiscent of to me Devin White's rookie year where it's just like you still saw it. Like you still mm-hmm. got that juice and that playmaking ability that – you know, if you're a four seven five linebacker who's super steady, you're not making the plays that he made sometimes. So, uh, I will say, there's he wasn't alone in that he was a rookie linebacker hung out to dry by not having an off season. I think it'll be a lot better this year. But I will say, Matabuke at least had more flashes that I think I'm excited, more excited. Like I th- more, I would bet more on Matabuke having a big year too than Queen at this point. I'll Cleveland say. Browns second year breakout is gotta be our boy Grant Delpit top tw- a top 15 player I believe on the PFF draft where I mean what he could do in coverage at 6'3 203 pounds matchup dude like that is what the Browns are bringing back in him Greedy Williams who didn't play last year that in and of itself is a lot to add on top of Jeremiah Cormilla, Greg Newsome, all the other shit they've added defensively I'm excited to see now. They got a bunch of safeties there now. Ronnie Harrison, him, um, John Johnson, obviously they added. So going to be interesting to see how that shakes out. But, man, Grant Elpit, I, I think, is going to have a big year, too. To me, like I said about Xavier McKinney, him having a big year, too, super steady as a rookie. I expected similarly from Delpit, at least in coverage. I'm also looking forward to Jordan Elliott. I think Jordan Elliott's another guy that you know only played I think what 350 snaps this past year. You know yes. he only in, in, in two games down the stretch did he play more than 10 pass rush snaps. I'd like to see him get more on the football field and see if he can step up, especially with Larry Ogunjobi gone. Doesn't necessarily play the same role, but I'm yeah. interested to see Jordan Elliott get in there, and make some plays. They All got right. they got a lot of dudes now in that interior. They got where well, they signed Malik McDowell, Tommy Sam Malik Jackson. They got Tommy Toe again. Marvin Phillips. Wilson as a UDFA. I'm interested. I'm interested. All right, they threw on the kitchen to, sink at it. On to the Cincinnati Bengals. This is obvious. Come on. Joe Burrow is doing it. We need it. Uh, I mean, it was good last year. And then a guy like, is this a breakout? He has 75.1 overall grade. That's very good for a rookie. But I do think you're going to see a big step forward. And especially down the football field where he was, like I said, the third lowest third lowest adjusted completion percentage on deep targets last year. Mm-hmm. The only two lower, I believe, were Mitch Trubisky and Dwayne Haskins. It's bad company. That's not Joe Burrow company. That's not the Joe Burrow we saw at LSU. So... Getting Jamar Chase, getting a improved offensive line. I'm not going to put it in any sort of great shakes whatsoever, but it's an offensive line you could win with. 
I think Joe Burrow's gonna have a big year. I couldn't agree more. I think T. Higgins too. I think, and I think the biggest thing with Joe Burrow is the deep accuracy is going to improve, in my opinion, in year two. Not just with the development of him, but also the chemistry he has with T. Higgins, the chemistry he has with Jamar Chase. Tyler Boyd now in year two with him. I do think Joe Burrow's deep accuracy, you're going to see the most significant improvement from Joe Burrow throwing the ball deep. And it's not because his arm's going to get significantly better, but I do think it's the offensive line I think has obviously improved, but also I think that chemistry matters, man. That chemistry on the deep ball definitely matters. All right, on to the AFC South, starting with the Tennessee Titans and former LSU cornerback Christian Fulton. Yes, not not predicting Isaiah Wilson to have a big year anytime soon. Well, I mean, it's still going to be a big year for him. <laughs> Oh, he's gonna have his his album sales are through the roof. <laughs> um, but and then really, it was a bad draft for them. Like Chris Jackson, their seventh rounder, he played last year in the slot. It was bad. I don't think, I don't foresee him the cornerback playing much uh, this upcoming season. Obviously, now they draft Elijah Molden as well. Darrington Evans, just, they don't take Derrick Henry off the field really there. So unless injury, I don't see him. And he was like a scat back type anyway. That was a that was a weird pick to me always when they drafted a ninety three overall, but. Fulton, now they've seemed dead set on trying to replace him after you know cutting Dory Jackson, cutting Malcolm Butler. He thought, oh, it's Christian Fulton season. Mm, no, they signed, obviously, Janoris Jenkins, draft Caleb Farley in the first round. But I do still think there's a path for Fulton to see the football field and Elijah Molden in the third, who could be a safety slash slot cornerback there. I, I think at least Fulton's their slot to start. I think at least that's the position he plays for them. And like I said, he's the only real option here for them as second-year breakout. All right, Indianapolis Colts, wide receiver Michael Pittman Jr., my guy out of USC. Excited to see him, man. He's got to have every opportunity to be the guy in Indy. Yeah, and, and obviously Jonathan Taylor already broken out. I think Julian Blackman's a good breakout candidate as well. But Pittman with Carson Wentz, that's the type of receiver Carson Wentz has gone for over the course of his career. That's who he meshes with, the big body, contest catch dudes, big catch radius. So... No real excuse for him in year two. No real excuse for Carson Wentz either. So that's my pick for their breakout. It's a, Owen's a pretty chalk pick there. I like the chalky. I like Sometimes it's, it's nice to be chalky. Yeah, Texans, John Reed, the cornerback out of Penn State, a guy that has like a wild background too. He's like one of the smarter players in that draft class, a guy that we're going to identify as a target. If he doesn't make it in the NFL, come work with PFF, one of PFF. the smarter guys for sure. Yeah. Uh, so he was the fourth round cornerback. He's a little on the older side. He's, he's uh, going to turn 25 here soon, but at least as a slot, if not takes one of the jobs of, you know, Vernon Hargraves there on the outside, because Vernon Hargraves has been cash and checks for a while now, my Lord. Um, but, but it's more like Ross Blacklock in the second round was one of the worst grade defense tackles in the NFL. Jonathan Greenard did really nothing uh, as a rookie. Also the edge rusher in the third round. Reed, uh, he played in the slot for them down the stretch uh, a couple games, finished with a 56.8 coverage grade and 145 snaps. I, I just, I think he can be, he was one of my favorite sleepers in that draft. Obviously goes in the fourth round, pick 141 overall. I thought just a really instinctive and good zone corner that in slot they could play. I think that's fair. All right, now jumping last person, last team in the AFC South, Jacksonville Jaguars. They have a lot of, Second-year players that not necessarily need to break out, but have an opportunity to break out. Obviously, LaVisca Chanel Jr. Yes. is an option. C.J. Henderson is an option. But you have here Calevon Chase on LSU Edge. We haven't talked about that ETN thing, about him working exclusively at wide receiver. We haven't. That was awesome to me. I, that's, I love that. Some people that hate from, it. No, that's like like he said, the worst-case scenario is, oh, he just goes back to running back. It, it's like the running back part's easy. Not to say it's easy, but it's like the running back part, the running with a football in your hands is the part he's done his entire life. The running routes and the, the things you want to do to make him versatile is the thing that he hasn't done his entire life. So practice that. That's going to be, that's going to help him more in the long run. Now, the wild thing to me about the whole ETN pick and all that is if that's the guy you want, Chenault is that wholesale. Like that's already been him. You know, Chenault is your guy who could have been Antonio Gibson if you wanted him to just switch to running back, you know? So that was weird to me that they would do that with that guy already on the roster. But I do love, hey, get this guy as many reps as a receiver as possible. But I will say, if I'm looking for a breakout on this team, it's going to be Caleb on Jason. Because final five games of last season, 19 pressures. Only 29 the entire year. 19 of those came in the final five games. I think you saw a different player to a degree. Like you saw it start to click. And I think Joe Cullen's defense coming over from Baltimore going to be much better suited for his strengths, get him to play a little up 
uh, more and in space and get him on some stunts and shit that can play with athleticism. So Kale on Chase on your breakout candidate there. They got a nice little edge duo there. I know a lot of people said edge for them in the draft, but they got him and Josh Allen that could be nice. Now we're on to the AFC East. Before we do so, I have a little message here from Symbol, new sponsor of the 2 for 1 Drafts podcast. It is the stock market for sports that allows you to trade sports teams like stocks and earn cash payouts when your team when your teams win. Symbol, S-I-M-B-U-L-L, has blended sports and the stock market to offer you a new way to invest in and profit off your favorite teams. The MLB is in full swing for the rest of the summer, allowing you to earn daily cash payouts, and NFL free agency is still going on. So whoever lands the top of the market player will be sure to see their team's stock rise. Use promo code PFF and deposit $10 at symbol.app slash PFF to earn a free PFF annual subscription. That's promo code PFF with a $10 deposit at symbol.app slash PFF to earn a free annual subscription onto the AFC East, onto the Buffalo Bills, second-year breakout, PFF favorite, running back Zach Moss. Yeah, this is more – now, Gabriel Davis probably has a better path to success your – Year two, obviously, you know, John Brown there, even though they brought in Emmanuel Sanders. He might get featured a little bit more this year, but I do think Zach Moss is a very good, talented running back there. They said, you know, uh, McDermott has said, I want to run the ball better. I think he gives you your best chance. I think he's a much better back than Devin Singletary is, much more complete back. And now I would love to say AJ Vanessa. I, I liked what I saw from him at times year one. They just drafted two replacements for him. You know, they still have Jerry Hughes Double in the roster. It is an absolute logjam there. Greg Rousseau and Carlos Basham in the first and second round when you already have Mario Ass and Jerry Hughes established there. So I don't know how that's going to shake out. But like I said, I, I did like what I saw from Epinesa. I could see him having a much better year too. And I like loved him as a prospect coming out. But it's just like path to the field. Is he going to? I don't know. Is he going to? We'll see. Uh, jumping to the Miami Dolphins. This is... Buddy, better see it. Quarterback, Tua Tungabailoa. I think it's going to be a second-year no breakout. I think Tua Tungabailoa is going to take a step forward. I think the bigger question mark, really, for me, is just how big is the step forward? Can yes. he be an 85, 90.0 graded passer in the NFL? Can he get to that level? Can he be a top-10 quarterback in the NFL? Because you need to see a significant step forward to feel confident that he can be that upper echelon QB. Man, and there were there were times that it was like, that's a, that's a real deal guy. I mean, the second half that third quarter slash fourth quarter of the Arizona game um, was awesome from him. Like he had some signs of life, but I do think the pressure um, of the NFL game, like that offensive line obviously should be better this year, but it was like still an issue in pass protection last year. You saw that get to him. The fact that is a much different offense from what he ran at Alabama now. Now with co-offense coordinators this year, I don't know what the fuck it's going to look like. It's a it's a weird situation. It'll be different there. every week. Yeah, <laughs> they just flip flop. Who makes the game plan? No, I, I I'm curious to see what it does look like. But they it's almost they got too many weapons there for it to be bad. Will Fuller, Jalen Waddle, Devontae Parker. My God, Preston Williams, fourth fiddle, Man. Mike Kosicki. Lynn Bowden, Lynn Bowden. You can tell me Lynn Bowden and before Preston Williams and Jakeem wow. Grant is the other one who. Like Jakeem Grant's got some juice. Like they got, they can send out an offense where the slowest guys will fuller. You know, they can send out a wide receiving core where the slowest guys will fuller. That's insane. Yeah. And there's, I think the only offense in the NFL that can say that. Well, because they're the only offense that has Will Fuller, but also the only offense that. <laughs> I think they're also going to have to bank on some second year development from their offensive line. Obviously, Austin Jackson, yes, former first round thing. pick. Yeah. Former first round pick out of USC, number 18 overall pick. You also have Robert Hunt, second round pick. Solomon Kinley drafted in the fourth round. All of those guys should see time this year. They need to take some steps forward yeah. along the offensive line to protect Tua Tungamailoa and get those balls out to that speedy receiving core. On to the New England Patriots. I love. Kyle Duggar. Did you see the interview with him recently? I think Kyle Duggar is going to be awesome this year. And he was already really good for the Pats. There's some obviously some opportunity to improve. But to do what he did after a year removed from Lenore Ryan, like a year removed from playing no one in the NFL, like no say, NFL a caliber different competition. Game. Like yeah. A different game altogether might as well have been there. So, yeah, I, I'm very excited to see what he does in year two. I think a much bigger role he'll play if he's not. I mean, 520 snaps is a fairly big role. Um Finished with a 64.1 overall grade. That's like encouraging considering where he came from. And this dude is a freak of nature athletically and just build-wise what he brings to the table. So I think he's going to be a monster, dude. Yeah. I think he's going to be a monster this year. I'm super excited. And, Played and like, in the box last year. 
Kate went to the ideal situation for him for development. I mean, I think he takes over what basically Patrick Chung had been for the last decade for them. I think that's what you see him become in that New England defense. I'm excited for this Pats front seven, man. I like what they've done along the defensive line. I was on the NFL podcast with Sam Monson a couple days ago. We talked about that Patriots defense. Part of me feels like there's there's obviously some weaknesses in the secondary. Stephon Gilmore getting a little bit older, but I do think that that front seven, we see some steps forward from Josh Uche, uh, Chase Winovich. You have obviously you know, Kyle Duggar playing a ton in the box. I'm excited for this front seven. Lastly, in the AFC East, then we jump to the AFC West. New York Jets cornerback Bryce Hall in the perfect fit of a defense with Robert's Law. We got to see it from him, the former Virginia cornerback that suffered. A, I think a lot of his stuff suffered, not a lot of his stuff, but a lot of his play suffered because he had that big injury the year prior and then had to come back from that. So I do think Bryce Hall entering year two could have a monster year. Broke his ankle a senior year at Virginia, falls the fifth round because of it. No one on that defense benefits more from Robert Salah being there than Bryce Hall. This is the scheme for him. He was tied with Jeffrey Kuda last year at the combine for the largest swing span, long swing span of any of the cornerbacks there. Long dude, great ball skills, tailor-made to play in that defense. So excited to see what he can do. But 62.8 coverage grade as a rookie is not bad. Like it's not it's not the disaster we saw from a bunch of people. 352 yards and about a half a season's worth of starting. Um a little over that. I'm I'm I think he can be Good. Like, I think it, like we were shitting on their secondary. Steve was shitting on their secondary draft week. But I think he could be, I think he can be at least good in that secondary. Now, the rest remains to be seen. The safety position, I think, is pretty good. But Bryce Hall, I think, is the guy I'm looking at to have a big year. Excited for it. Kansas City Chiefs, you're in, you're saying another breakout for Legarius Sneed? Guy already broke out. Is that, I, I just don't love any of the other ones here. Not Willie Gay? I don't love Willie Gay, sadly. I, I don't know if he even starts in that Chiefs defense is the problem. Yeah, Bolton likely start. But I don't believe in Lucas Niang either. He was did you see the the discourse about Lucas Niang over the weekend about his gut just hanging out over his he, he does not have a good body for an offensive tackle. It's not a it's not aesthetically pleasing. No Ben Cleveland? No. He's not a well proportioned three twenty five or whatever he is. Um I need to see this discourse. I need but to see these images. It's a <laughs> He did look, he just looked fat coming in straight <laughs> up. Like, like offensive linemen are, are fat, but he looked like another level of that, sadly. But Legere Sneed's just, he's going to be good. Like, he's going to be oh, wow. not just good, but like very good. <laughs> he kind of looks like a guard. That's a big boy. That's yeah. a big gut, at least. He kind of looks like a Packers fan, is what he looks like. <laughs> but I do think Legere Sneed takes to another level year, too. Like, his press ability. Awesome year one. And this might be cheating because he was, like I said, he only allowed a 66.6 completion or passer rating against mm -hmm. and a, had the highest coverage grade of any rookie corner. You're pretty much just saying Legere Sneed's going to be good again. Good again. Yeah. Good, good, gooder. I like that. I like that. Las Vegas Raiders, they need to see it. Henry Ruggs, man. I do think he plays a lot better in 2021, but I do. There are some concerns on his tape last year, specifically battling through contact. That's like, how much better does that get? But you have to hope his usage gets better. Yeah. His target rate gets higher. I mean, he has to take what Nelson Aguilar was and be that guy for them. Basically. Like you, he needs to have a yeah. better season this year than Nelson Aguilar had last year for you to feel really good about his development, in my opinion. Yeah, and I think he'll get the oppor the opportunities there will be more frequent. And like you bank on some development from him. Like he was – he can still get off the line of scrimmage. Like there was a lot there. We still liked him as a prospect. We just said, you know, he's not – he's not Jerry Judy. He's not – CD Lamb. That's not ever where you're going to get. You're getting a deep threat. And the speed still played. I mean, he had the game winner against the Jets, so on the crazy, ridiculous cover zero. But I, I still think that's that's who I'd peg for them because there's not a lot of other options there. No Lin, Lin Bo and Nate walking through that door. This one's also a cop-out. Well, Jerry needs a cop-out. Los Angeles Chargers, you have quarterback Justin Herbert. I know it's a cop-out. But I think the thing that I'm excited to see is Justin Herbert. You go look at his worst games last year. They were all against the AFC East. Like he, he sucked against the Pats. Obviously, that was like the one that everyone points to. But then he had a rough game against the Dolphins, a rough game against uh, Buffalo. Some good defensive-minded coaches in that division. So getting away from them is good, a nice start. Not Kenneth Murray. Kenneth Murray had a bad year last year. You think he bounces back at all? See, I just wasn't high on Kenneth Murray coming out. So I'm not going to like say a guy that I wasn't necessarily high on coming out. I would say KJ Hill had they not drafted Josh Palmer, who I think is going to take 
KJ yeah, he's a former seventh round pick, KJ Hill out of Ohio State. Guy that lit up the senior bowl, but low draft capital investment, 220th overall pick. He's going to be battling for a roster spot in 2021. Year. Last team here, last player, second year breakout, Broncos wide receiver, Jerry Judy, even though the quarterback situation is not going to be drastically improved. It he's might still be. going to be seen. Maybe if Teddy Bridgewater plays, I do think his, you know, I do think his play gets better. But man, Jerry Judy needs some accurate targets. Like he needs air to breathe. Forty-seven point three percent catch rate last year. Fifty-two receptions on hundred ten targets. But he's still average. He's still got uh, still at eight hundred fifty-six yards on those receptions. So still almost like eight yards a target. But the drops, we got to we got to stop that, Jerry. That was no more drops. Came on his junior year. At at uh, Alabama, twelve as a rookie. Ugh. Yeah, <laughs> Jerry, figure it out. Figure, figure it out, buddy. Figure it out, did Jerry. You, did you ever see that one interview with him? I saw um, the interview with him. Yeah, that was that was horrendous. He fell asleep in the middle of it or whatever. That was... I don't know if he fell asleep or what happened, but it wasn't good. It definitely wasn't good. It's not good. We need to bounce back across the board from Jerry Judy. Bounce back. Second year breakout for the Denver Broncos. That's gonna do it for this episode of Two for One Draft. Second year breakout for all thirty two NFL teams. Make sure to, like I said at the top of the podcast, if you're interested in providing feedback on Two for One Drafts, doing some one on one Zoom interviews to talk about our rebrand, talk about the next steps for Two for One Drafts. Make sure to shoot me a DM on Twitter. Until next time, Austin Gale, producer Mike Quinn. Producer David Sofaro, Mike Renner, two for one traps.